Hello and good afternoon to everybody here in person and also everybody out there in Facebook land, if anybody's watching. My name is Mark de Fuitje. I'll be hosting this conversation today between these two lovely ladies. We have uh, Wan Ping Lim and Regina Ibrahim. Both are, um, we could say, Penang natives, or almost natives. Um, both uh, are born on the mainland. Uh, Wan Ping comes from Butterworth originally, uh, Regina from Bukit Murtajam. So uh, it's, it's almost uh, home territory for them. So, so I'm the odd one out here. Um, Wan Ping has recently uh, published a collection of short stories called Two Figures in a Car, which is published by Penguin Southeast Asia. And for those of you who are, who are here in person, um, that book is also available for purchase from Anna at the desk here behind. So uh, don't be shy about uh, buying her book and having the unique chance to get it signed by her. Um, nowadays, I believe one thing is based in Kuala Lumpur. So she's made the journey all the way up here to, to Penang. Um, Regina needs no introduction, so we're not going to introduce her. No, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, Regina has uh, uh, many, many feathers to her cap. She's a, a, a performer, a songstress, an activist, um, a writer, a novelist, um, a performer, so many different things that uh, Regina does. Um, part of what she does during pandemic, apparently, is she feeds stray cats on the streets of Georgetown. Is that true, Regina? Very true. <laughs> Great. So um, we're going to talk a little bit around the, the, the short story today and about how these two writers who both work uh, uh, in short stories. Now, Regina writes novels as well, um, but we're going to uh, hear from both of them a little bit about their process, how they work in, in terms of the, the short stories. So let's start asking um, questions then. What is the main motivation for writing stories? I'll, I'll give that question to you first, Wan Ping, and then uh, maybe Regina, if you'd like to, to join in afterwards. What is your main motivation? Why? Why do you write? Thank you, Mark, for that question. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I think I, I write um, because it, I, feel, I feel like it is a responsibility. You know, as, as writers, we are, we are artists. We are also like artists, we are, we are creators. And I feel, okay, this is a very serious answer. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm responsible to capture the, the times that I live in, the zeitgeist uh, of, of where I am right now. And uh, it's very much like a photograph or maybe a movie. You know, you watch something from, from the past and you think, oh, that's how they used to do things, or these were the kind of words that they used, um, you know. Re recently, I, I read a short story by uh, John Steinbeck called The Chrysanthemum, and he described a wagon uh, where, where people, uh, a traveling salesman that sold knives and pots and pans, and then he even described the fabric, you know, what, what are the words on the fabric, and I just thought that was so interesting, and this was from, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So I guess I write because I, I want people further down the, the line in years to come to know what it's like you know, for me growing up in Penang, what are the, the roads that, that are the name of the roads, you know, the, the things that we eat or yeah, capturing, capturing the time of today. So the authenticity of setting is something that's important for you? Yeah, definitely. Regina, what is your motivation as a writer? I know you write on different subjects as well, so maybe you have a diverse interests or well, angles that you're coming it at that It started time. off as self-indulge, okay? You wanted to express yourself, okay? And in the age of uh, social media, I think everybody is a writer, but how well do you write, okay? So that is how it all started. First, to explain then to correct, okay? In Bahasa Malaysia, we have two. We call it Certhot and Cerpin. Certhot is a very short, uh, short uh, story, uh, which is not more than 100 words. So that is how you express yourself. And I think by now, you have seen all of these uh, social media users. Sometimes they, 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 they write in, in 
uh, lengthy words, okay? Uh, sometimes very short. It, it is still writing. So uh, uh, from there, you, you started to do something which is more serious. You want yourself to be heard, okay? And that's the reason why I say cerpin uh, or short stories were first written because you wanted yourself to be heard. It is self-indulged, okay? Then slowly you started uh, evaluating things around you and writing it seriously, okay, according to what uh, stories are supposed to be, okay? You have the opening, you have the introduction, you have the plot, and you have the ending. So more or less, it's like that, Mark. When, when you're talking about structure like that, then do you plan a story beforehand when you're writing it? Or? Roughly, in my head, in my mind, you know, you plan the story that you wanted to tell, then you started to decorate it, okay? It's like how you have a piece of plain cake and you wanted to decorate it. So that is how shots uh, were, were, were being decorated, yeah? And uh, from time to time, uh, you might want to edit something to make it more interesting. At the end of the day, a good shot is a shot that is being appreciated by your readers, okay? By your readers. And what about your writing process then, Wamping? Would you start by planning or with an idea or do you just start with a blank page and just see where it takes you? Yeah, I get this question a lot. Actually, it's a, the answer is it's a mixture. Like sometimes um, I, I get a mood. So there's a certain mood that I want to create in that story. It could be like a scene or maybe like, uh, you know, a car on a hill and like so there's a there's a visual in my there's a visual uh in my mind there's a mood and then okay i i start i start the story and actually i don't know i don't know where it goes this story so so i will only know when i start writing start creating uh and that's that's the really fun part about writing sometimes uh, i hear voices or not like in a in a crazy way but like i can hear the character I know what who he is, what what he's saying, and then I start to develop the story. Um, a lot of times, uh, I sort of know like how I want it to end, but throughout the process is very organic. Huh, something else will <laughs> pop up that you never expected. Uh, it's almost like the character has a life of, of his own that they want to do something that you you never expected. Yeah, so that's that's a really fun uh, part about writing. Do, do you find that you change stories a lot if you go back and edit them, or how do you go about that? Um, I don't usually change very much. Uh, sometimes it's uh, to fit uh, to fit a certain uh, publication that I want to write for. I, I found that I've overshot the the length, or then maybe I go back and cut it. Or I will do my own editing lah, and feel like oh maybe this uh, character doesn't doesn't sound right. La. It's not something that he or she would do. Uh, then I will cut that part off. Uh, but usually it's only like 20 to 30% of chopping. And, and how about you, Regina? When it comes to editing, would you find yourself significantly changing a story? Or how long, this is something that uh, interests me, is how long do you leave a story aside before coming back to edit it? Well, each time when I'm being inspired, I'll start writing. I'll just keep writing you know, until it's uh, until it finish. Okay, then I'll revisit it again, revisit it again, uh, polish it. You know, make it more interesting, adding a few elements that I feel necessary to it. Then most of my shots are being kept in a special vault. Okay, whenever I need, I'll take it out and polish it again. Uh, trust me, uh, revisiting your shorts is a very, uh, is a very, what shall I say, compelling moment. It's a mixture of uh, feelings there. You feel good, you feel good, you feel nice about your capability of writing, okay? Regardless what people call it, shock uh, sendiri uh, or whatever it is, okay? You just continue writing then you can anytime polish it. Okay, believe me, if I were to dig my shots written 10 years ago, I should be able to make it nicer. Uh, not, to, not to make it current, but I think to make it nicer. All right, so the moment you are being inspired, you write, okay? You write and you keep it aside, okay? 
for example my latest uh, my latest book uh, which is being published by Karangcraft is divided into two uh, story about male and story about female okay so these are from my vault okay that I repolish it okay and to be submitted to the to the publisher and it was published somewhere around uh, year 2019 end of year 2019 and being launched during the pandemic so it's, 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 it's not really uh, widely known okay some of my readers don't even know that is my latest book well then, potential readers definitely have to go and seek out Regina's latest book then. Um, Regina, you mentioned adding details then. Could you perhaps be a little bit more specific about what type of details? How do you make a, a story come alive? Or, or yeah. what details are important to, to you as a writer or as a reader? Well, in order to make it believable, you know, story, has, uh, it has to be believable, okay? There is no point of writing a story uh, even though if it's uh, science fiction or something dystopian, it has to be believable, okay? By adding all sort of uh, elements that you feel uh, needed to the location, the main character, the supporting character, okay? Uh, what are the personalities? Tall, short, stout, beautiful, mediocre, or everything has to be thrown in, you know? Sometimes we, we writers even pretend to be uh, a little bit dumb and stupid in order to get our storyline uh, sounds real. Okay, so to me, as a direct storyteller, I am prone to, to, to capture all of these simple elements. Okay, uh, for, for example, when you, you know, I, I'm, I'm just giving you one good example. Okay, like let's say here in this beautiful uh, ballroom, I'll start saying that, oh, I hope the lighting is good because I don't wear bra today, you know? So these sort of things can be injected into our so-called make-believe space, okay? Depending on the character, you know? So as a writer, I think you will assist any opportunity around you, okay? To capture all of this element that will be transcribed into your writing. That, 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 that will make it sounds more believable. So this whole idea of believability, it's also in the title of today's talk about uh, little worlds of make-believe. I, I might personally have some issue about the little size of it because I think it can be something very expansive. Um, but make-believe is an interesting term in, in itself. Would you like to talk a little bit around that then, one thing about what do you do to make someone believe that what are just a set of words on a page reflect a, a possible reality, if not an actual reality? Yeah, I, I think a good balance of um, detail, uh, but not, not too much. Lah. Sometimes, you know, it, it, sometimes writers can over-describe and then it, it, it leaves no room for the reader's imagination. So I, I would say a good balance of, of detail um, and to make something believable, be it a person or a place, um, you can actually uh, take inspiration from real life. You know, there's, a, there's no, no shame in that. Like you can change the person's name or you can change the place names. Um, like I, I have a confession to make and it's that most of my characters are based on real people. But I would say 20% is based on the person and 80% is I, I tambah. Uh, you know, I add my own spices already. Like, uh, I imagine what they would be like at home, or I, I imagine their backstory. So, so a lot of the, the characters that I create are are twenty percent based on like you know maybe friends that I hear about, or someone mentioned this person, or something that you read in a newspaper. Yes, I tell you, newspaper is the number one place source of inspiration <laughs> because you just get. All, all kinds of things there, you know? Like they say, huh? uh, real life is stranger than fiction. Uh, so that is the best place to get inspiracy. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, you can base it on real things that you hear about and then you, you add, add your own spice. But I, I think uh, in order to make your shorts uh, sounds believable, first of all, you have to believe in yourself as a... Uh, the core point, okay, the core point to tell story, 
Okay, like uh, what uh, Peeling said just now, all right? Inspiration is all around you, okay? Uh, and that includes uh, selecting names for your character. Sometimes you do not have to be too ambitious or, or too artistic, you know? Sometimes you can be as simple as anything, you know? Uh, and I think it will be easier for your reader to understand and to get uh, attached to the story that you are telling. You know, simple surrounding, simple people, a simple storyline, but uh, deep with emotion. I'm more familiar with one um, Kim's writing because shame on me, I still don't read good enough Malay to be able to read uh, Regina's stories in, in, in the original. Uh, but from what I understand, both of you are, how would I say, very um, democratic in your writing. You're talking about ordinary, normal people in, you're not talking about princesses living in castles or, or, or fantasy world. Uh, you both seem to be very involved in a almost kind of a street level portrayal of, we'll say, Malaysian life, although one thing uh, has, has some more geography to her stories as well. Um, why, either of you can answer that, why, why is that your focus or how important is that to you? Or yeah, um, I think, you know, there are stories everywhere that you go, everywhere you look, and I feel that they deserve to be told. Like, you know, the, um, so most of my stories are Malaysian, uh, have Malaysian characters, Malaysian settings, and I just feel that actually people have very interesting lives, you know. It, it, as a writer, you have to be curious, curious about other people, and um, not in a capo way, lah, but but you know, sometimes you oh you you wonder about someone. Oh, why why are they like that? You know, how did they become like that? And so so they always say like uh, write that there's a very popular um writing uh, advice that they, they always say write what you know. But I would go one step further and say and say write what fascinates you. So a lot of the things that I write are things that that fascinate me, like from. I don't know, like I have extended family and, and they just do all kinds of funny things and I just think about, oh, why, why are they like that? You know, you so see, you have to be curious. Uh, you have to be interested in people, uh, yeah, to, able, to be able to, uh, to tell their stories. And I just feel that it's, um, like, you know, my experience is valid. Like, like as a Malaysian uh, writer, I have stories to tell about uh, the people around me, yeah, and that is why, yeah, I, I write. Hmm. Well, same goes with me. You see, I'm, I'll just uh, want to explain to you guys how simple characters were taken into most of my shots. Okay, and this is from my Cherpin Volume One, a self-published uh, book. All right, first of all, it's a story about sate. Okay, the title is sate. It's a story about uh, an Indonesian immigrant. Who happened to be not Muslim, getting married to, a, getting attached to a, a Nepalese, and they wanted to survive. They started killing dogs all around them and sell it as satay. Then we have uh, Juanita Kuat. It's all about a very strong female facing obstacle of her life. Then I have a futuristic uh, no, a shot about Pekan Aman, a fictional town, okay, which is. Uh, uh, which is uh, hibernated by uh, Bunian, the Bunians, okay? All right, then I have Durian Makpora. Durian Makpora is a story about a family relationship, okay, where a young, uh, a young girl have to stay with her stepmother and she was craving for durian, okay? She was craving for durian and at the end, at the end something happened to her Okay, she hates durian. She hates durian because uh, there was one night when she, she, she went to the kitchen and she started to poke, thinking that she just wanted to taste it only. And she ended up taking a piece of durian. And the stepmother came in and abused her. All right. Then, uh, time after time, uh, something happened. Something happened. All right. And she, she was married to a very simple man and they worked so hard, they strive in life. And then uh, her stepmother was left uh, poor and uh, poor and sorry state, right? 
and then uh, actually Durian Mapora is my tribute to my mentor, uh, Catherine Lim, who has written uh, a similar story about Durian. All right, Catherine Lim uh, from Rat, Singapore. All right, and then Sambal Tumis Chili Vietnam is about uh, a pair of uh, hus uh, a pair of hus husband and wife. Okay, who, which is very holy, and suddenly the husband betray her and. What she did is, uh, she, since she's selling nasi lemak to earn a living uh, using uh, chili from Vietnam, she took the chili paste and rubbed at the husband's genital. Okay, it's a very simple story. Very simple, all right? And then a horror short story. Please don't do this at home. <laughs> Katil Besi Medan. Katil Besi Medan is about a haunted, uh, a haunted uh, uh, what we call it, metal bed, okay, all the way from Medan, which, which is being uh, brought here to Penang. And there's some story uh, behind it, all right? And then we also have Kali Pertama. Kali Pertama is about uh, a young man who, who, who is a cross-dresser. And the very first time he cross-dressed, he encountered his relative and he got fever at the end, all right? Okay, these are very ordinary people, okay? And then I also have uh, a story about uh, Pak Long Modern. Pak Long Modern is about a uh, retired man in a remote area in Kedah, okay? He ordered a sex doll from USA, all right? So th th there must be some twists inside there, all right? And finally, another horror shot is about uh, about an interview, a young lady who aspired to become an air hostess. Uh, she went to Kuala Lumpur and not knowing that uh, her journey is being continued, but her bus is already, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's already met with an accident, okay, down at the ravine. Okay, so more or less it's something like that. All of the characters are ordinary people around us in order to make believe I lived for 12 years in Kedah, so I can certainly attest to very strange going on in the Kampung. As uh, one thing said, sometimes uh, truth is stranger than reality. Uh, anybody who knows uh, rural Kedah knows this is very, very true. Um, <laughs> but Mark, would you like to share with us how, how do you get yourself inspired to write a Tropical Madness? Tropical Madness. Okay, and for you, for those of you who don't know, Mark is the author for an anthology of shorts uh, published by uh, Fixie Novel, okay, entitled uh, Tropical Madness. And it has a list of how many stories inside there? 13. 13, thir 13, 13. I think so, yeah. 13, 13 stories, uh, which is very fascinating. Okay, I have the privilege of translating Mark's work, uh, three of Mark's work, yeah, and it is being published in my webpad. What is and, and what thank, inspired you? Thank you for that translation. I can publicly thank uh, Regina for for translating my my work into Malay, which is uh, uh, very flattering indeed. Um, for me, I'm obliged to have an outsider's look at life in in Malaysia because obviously I am a an outsider, um, which from the perspective of a, of a writer is 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 doubly interesting because I think even for Malaysian writers writers always feel a little bit outside of things so um i'm i'm doubly on the outside looking in but i'm also on the in long enough to to be able to see a lot of things and um recognize that essentially we're all humans we all have human stories that stories are are relatable regardless of the the context so the context can be uh, uh what makes them them interesting um several of my stories in, in Tropical Madness and elsewhere then um, involve immigrants, not necessarily Irish immigrants like I am, but um, the other immigrants that I, I meet, um, the ones that they call foreigners when, when uh, people call me expat. But I, I see myself as an immigrant as well, though other people might not. Um, so things like Nepali security guards or somebody working at the Mamak stall or, or things like this, people that I meet in my daily life would uh, inspire me to as one thing says, you, what makes this person tick? Uh, why do they behave like that? What's their their story about that? But that's a, a, a little bit about me. But back to you two, because this is your event. Uh, it's not about me. Um, how has the pandemic uh, affected your writing, would you say, one thing? 
has it affected it at all? Oh, it's a bit too fresh still, yeah, and and then with new variant coming out again. Oh dear! So, um, actually, with in the pandemic, I was not able to write at all. It was zero productivity. Um, I know for other writers, they were able to churn out novels during this time, but somehow it just didn't work for me. And I, I definitely am not able to write about the pandemic while we are still in the pandemic. So I, I'm one of those slow processes where, you know, give me another two, three years, then maybe I'll think about what happened during this COVID era. Well, uh, initially, uh, you know, since the, the uh, pandemic uh, sips in, you know, I was thinking that I might be able to finish one novel, but it just didn't, doesn't work. Okay, so I changed it. You know, I finished reading a few novels, and, and a few untouched novels by Japanese writers and everything just to be inspired. Then I started to do some translation work, you know, still unable to write uh, material on my own. And then when, when uh, some publishers asked uh, for my latest uh, shots, I, I, like I said, you know, before, I have a short vault, okay? So I just take it, take it out from that and polish it, polish it. Yeah. But on the whole, I, I've been, uh, in terms of writing something new, something fresh, no, I'm not productive at all. Yeah, I'm not productive at all during that time. Why? There is a certain kind of emotion, okay? Yeah, I, I still have uh, three novels uh, not being published uh, due, to, due to COVID, you know? Because they said uh, marketing is going to be very hard during uh, during COVID, and then um, I think emo emotionally, I'm I was a little bit distraught. Yeah. Now, now I think I, I, with this uh, physical meetup, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I think if there's one trend that I noticed is that during the pandemic, people want happy stories. Uh, they want happy. Um, like something to just take their mind away. La. So, so during <laughs> pandemic, you better don't write moody stories not going not gonna to get published. <laughs> and I, I think we could say that you specialize in moody stories. Or at yeah. least it's a label that's been attached to you. Yeah. Um, there was a feature on my book in the Star last week and the angle that they went for was embracing the darkness within. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that I'm writing horror stories. But... Um, I guess it just came out this way and I've always been quite macabre. Um, so during the pandemic, I actually did write one story, but it was so dark and everyone said it was horror. And I say, it's not horror, it's not horror. <laughs> but, but readers say it's horror. So, but that never got published. Lah. It's just sitting in my drawer. Yeah. Could you see yourself at a future date writing things set? We were in a pandemic back when everybody used to have a wear a mask on their face. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we'll need a couple of more, more years to to be able to produce something like this. Yeah. There, there was an article in the Guardian, I think, just yesterday about pandemic novels coming out, and 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 the big question was, is it too soon? Uh, like you're saying, people want to read happy things. How do you feel about that, Regina? At the moment, I don't feel like writing about it. Okay, I think I, I before uh, the the first three months of the pandemic, I managed to complete one shot. Okay, one shot about a young lady who wanted to pursue a young lady who was a salesperson who wanted to pursue her acting career, and she already got all of these uh, green lights and everything. And suddenly, it's pandemic. You know, something something like that. Yeah. But then again, I don't think so. I'll, I'll be using a lot of uh, 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 what do you call it, COVID-19 uh, story in, in, in my shots. Yeah? I don't think so. I'll be using that. Maybe in the future, maybe who knows, when I write novel and I have to step back to year to 2020, which almost doesn't exist, uh, COVID might come in. <laughs> Not sure yet. Yeah. So on, on one level, there's this desire to write stories that are real, but on another level, a resistance to writing stories that are too real. So um, we're getting into this kind of escapism, maybe on the part of the writer, but also for the, the reader, or is there even a separation between the two? Uh, is that something either of you could bounce off on? Yeah, escapism. Um, you know, one of 
one of the reasons why people love to read is because in between these two covers, there is a different world. You can enter a different world, you know? And um, yeah, and so, so even uh, if you're writing in the genre of realism, which is like what we both write, meaning not, uh, not fantasy or not sci-fi or dystopian, um, it can still be fun and entertaining. Like, no, that's the purpose of, of storytelling is, um, yes, it can be serious, uh, but, but it is to, to make a point and, um, and you can transport your readers to a, another, another person's world, you know? And that, that's why I love reading. Oh, I can travel to all these places or travel into people's, into people's uh, lives, emotional lives, yeah. Well, as much as I keep telling my uh, young readers that writing is a therapy, indeed, uh, writing is a therapy, writing shorts is a therapy, writing a, writing a novel is a therapy, okay? Uh, you can do whatever you want with it, okay? Uh, I would also think that a reading is a therapy to my, um, to my readers, okay? Uh, the feedback uh, is, is real, okay? They, when, when, when my young readers uh, wrote back to me saying that they are very pleased with the story I tell, blah, 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 you know. Uh, but then again, at the end of the day, uh, in order to make belief, you know, in order to make belief, uh, we, will, we, we cannot be churning out uh, a story with, 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 with too many uh, layers of motiva motivational effects and everything. It has to be real. Sometimes the story is with happy ending. Sometimes it's a very sad ending. Sometimes you kill people that you don't like in your, in your, in your fiction, you know? So that's the privilege of being an, an, an author. Sometimes you criticize a situation, okay? The situation in your country, okay? But then again, you adjust it so that it wouldn't uh, be too obvious, you know? I've been doing that uh, for the whole of my journey as a writer, you know? There are things that you wanted to criticize, definitely. You are just a, a, a normal being. Writers are normal being also, but I think this is uh, our privilege, okay? Okay, we, 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 uh, we picked up anything that, that is undesirable, desirable thing, something that, we, something that, 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 that bothers us, and then turn it into, into a story. I think that, that is quite a good space for us, yeah? So, so again, back to reality, but not quite reality with a certain level of plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. um, to go maybe a, a little bit further in that sort of direction than uh, Regina, obviously you're well known as a, an activist in transgender rights and all that sort of thing. Um, how does that come into your storytelling uh, or does it? Well, it started uh, with uh, wanting the society, especially the cisgender in Malaysia, to understand what are the predicaments faced by uh, transgender community. Sometimes just to straighten uh, their perception, which is, uh, which is uh, obviously wrong. And then sometimes uh, just to guide them, okay, the actual facts about uh, the spectrums of uh, sexuality. Okay, so uh, slowly, at first you started writing in your on your social media page, you know, Facebook, Twitter, or maybe Instagram. Then uh, slowly you progress into a heavier explanation. Uh, that is an article, a very uh, a very laid-back article about uh, gender, sexuality, and then orientation, uh, expression, all right? So uh, at the end of the day, uh, you yourself wanted your, your uh, writing material to be in order, easily be understood, all right? And, and that's how it goes. So it's a, it's a, it is something... Uh, without your realization becoming a serious avenue, okay, a serious avenue to explain. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less is just to explain and demanding uh, a certain amount of tolerance from the society around, yeah, who was really misguided all, all these years, yeah. Um, I've, I've read some of the reviews of your work that writes around transgender issues. Um, 
And a lot of the feedback I see is from young people in similar situations or people in situations where they, things aren't clear for them on yeah. many, many levels and that they see you uh, uh, partially as a, a role model, partially as an, an inspiration, but also as someone who um, normalizes the topic that is so often pushed it's away right. as a taboo that you, you're uh, empowering young people to see, well, there is another way if they want to choose that way. Yeah, that's the whole reason of writing or selecting that particular topic at first. But, uh, you know, after a while, you wanted to divert yourself into something else. You know? But I think, I think uh, for the first five years of my writing journey, I concentrate more on gender, sexuality, and sexual orientation through my shorts through my short articles, and I've already managed to, 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 to gather some kind of understanding. Uh, my, my first book on, on transgender, that was Mania Malaysia. Uh, uh, I think uh, it's, it's already sold out, okay, purchased by, after, after two, uh, yeah, uh, printed twice, okay, and then uh, were used by a student from sociology and criminology, okay, right, so, as usual, uh, science, uh, technology, and sexuality, and uh, and scientific terms, they change from time to time. Yeah, I've seen this book uh, described as a, a semi-academic. Uh, it's a work. semi-academic book. Yeah, it's a semi-academic book. Yeah, I purposely write that because uh, during that time, most of the book uh, touching this particular subject is in English. Okay, it was in it's in English, so I said, why not start writing it in Bahasa Malaysia, so that uh, it can be dedicated to uh, your parents, yeah, parents, parents, parents are, are, are the, the the very first people who need to understand on what's going on uh, with this phenomenon. Yeah? So I I think we can draw from that a certain sense of how storytelling is world building not just in terms of the actual story that's been uh, vehiculed but in, in terms of how it forms society or informs society and uh, op opens windows even if people aren't willing to to step through the the doors but at least they can uh, see out into other things um i wanted to move on from that then to the sense of place now having just read your uh, collection um figures in a car uh, one thing that really stuck out to me was all, all the stories had a very strong sense of place, whether it's in Manchester or Singapore or mostly um, here in, in, in Penang and, and more closer to where I live uh, in, in southern Penang Island down towards Sungai Ara by Anlepas. Um, this sense of place, how important it is, um, but also how do you go about creating that to make it believable? Yeah. Um, so in my 14 short stories, about eight of them are actually based in Penang. And, uh, you know, since we are at Georgetown Festival, you know, um, Penang uh, has, is very close to my heart. And, um, you, you know, people talk about representation and they, they always uh, talk about that in terms of uh, ethnicity, gender and all that. But actually to see a place represented is very, very important. And it actually like can bring like a spark of joy to your heart. You know, to, to see places like, like not just the usual, always Batu Fringi, Batu Fringi, you know, um, or Georgetown, Georgetown. Actually, places like Jolutong, you know, where, where my parents grew up, Lipsin is where all my cousins are living there, you know. And uh, even places like uh, Jalan Masjid Negeri, that state mosque, uh, that, that's the area where I went to school, Scotland Road, you know, there like all these kind of places when you see in fiction, oh, you feel so like, yeah, you know, um, they, they, this is a place that even though you, you didn't grow up in Penang or, or you haven't been there, but uh, when it's represented in fiction, you, you can have uh, some kind of imprint in your mind, you know, because when we read, like, uh, say I read Twilight, you know, oh, Fox, F-O-R-K-S, you know, the Olympic Peninsula, and then you can oh, start to bermimpi, dreaming already, like, it transports you to, to another place, you know. 
So I, I guess this is what I'm doing in my fiction as well, to anchor my stories in all these places. Um, like I tell you another one, Seagate Highway, you know? That, that, I don't think the young people know where Seagate Highway is now, but it's where the, the second bridge is. And that was the nickname uh, before Queens Bay Mall was built. Uh, and that's where people go for Lumba Haram, uh, illegal, illegal motorbike racing. So I, I have a story in there about some illegal racing there. And, you know, these are places that, that they are real. You know, they are real. Why is it called the Seagate Highway? Seagate is the, the American company but which is no longer there, you know? So, but, but I ha by writing it in fiction, you have memorialized the, the place. Right. Yeah. And about developing that sense of space and sense of place, not just dropping names of neighborhoods, but how do you go about technically on, on, in terms of choosing your words and your descriptions to make it a believable Jalutong or a believable Sunayara? Yes, I thought about this. I think, um, as I said before, a balance of description, not, not, too, uh, not too much description, but one important thing is to have action happen in, in that area. And that is how it, it will create story and be imprinted in your reader's uh, memory. Yeah. Having action happen in the area. Yeah. And there's certainly plenty of action happening in, in lots of areas in Penang in, in, in one thing's book. So, uh, again, I, I've mentioned it before, but certainly one that's uh, um, worth reading. Um, Regina, I was reading that, uh, aside from feeding stray cats, that um, during the pandemic, you had taken to walking around uh, Georgetown and that you described it as a zombie town. I, I, I've written a short article for Vibes, a portal, yeah, depicting the very first uh, three months of, of, of pandemic here in Penang. Sincerely, it, it, it was very scary. It was very, very scary, yeah. You can read it on uh, Vibes portal, okay. Uh, how, you know, going through social media makes you feel really uneasy, you know people clamoring for gardenia bread, you know, you feel, mm, I'm, which state I'm in, you know, we're not supposed to be facing that, you know. But then again, uh, the moment they open uh, the, the state border, I think everything is, is almost coming to normal, almost coming to normal. And, you know, when it closed again, we are back to normal behavior. And we also study... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the behavior of our citizen. Okay, our, during that time, I think pandemic is mostly about self evaluation. You started to evaluate yourself. You know how 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 far you are being affected by the anxiety. How scared you are about the future. How scared you are about about you know. Uh, going into a, a public leave, you know, how you, 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 you avoid uh, gathering as much as you can. And of course, it will leave you with uh, some kind of uh, emotional uh, drainage. You know, you feel like, oh, my God, I do not know that it's going to be this, this, this bad. And uh, looking at uh, the death number rising from day to day, how is that supposed to make you feel? Yeah. So I think uh, at the end of the day, you pacify yourself that you are facing this not alone. The entire globe is 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 facing uh, the same predicament. You know. So you feel a little bit better and start going on with your daily life. Although it's a little bit weird wearing masks on the street. You know. Uh, entering. Uh, commercial premises is no longer easy as before, right? Yeah. But thank God, uh, we are still being safe with some little something around us. Um, I like the, the phrase of a, a, a zombie Georgetown. I wonder, is it something mm -hmm. you would like to write at some it stage? It was indeed looking like a zombie, zombie town yeah, during the first three months. Yeah? Crossing road is very easy. There is no car inside. You know, all of the shops are, are closed. You know, you feel like, oh my God, you know, what's going on? Yeah. 
because we watch too much uh, zombie uh, movies, right? Okay, zombie uh, story. And the town is almost like that. It's a it's deserted town. Um, Georgetown is, is a deserted town in a time of pandemic, but also we've seen quite a, a demographic shift in, in, in Georgetown. Now, both of you know Georgetown from long ago, not to say that you're very, very old, but you, you, you knew a, a, a pre-UNESCO Georgetown. Now, would you like to talk about how you work that into your stories or uh, how you might work it into fiction? Yeah, I've done a few about uh, Georgetown uh, pre-Penang uh, Heritage Trust at time. Yeah, okay. In some of my uh, in some of my shots, definitely not in my novels. Yeah, but in terms of location, like I said, to make it uh, to to make to make believe, the location has to be real. Okay, sometimes if you want to change, you want if you want to fiction it, just change the address, change the name. You know change the service that you wanted to talk in in in, in your in your in your storyline yeah so it's more or less like that i think it happens to every single writer yeah we unless unless it's, it's it, you want to write about fantasy something dystopian you you just do whatever you want but at the end of the day uh, you must convince yourself is this believable is this believable yeah i think Every single writer definitely know the rules of, of writing. Uh, that making make, make believe is something that is very crucial. It's very crucial. Yeah, it's 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 nothing. It's not that hard. It's just by adapt adapting all of these small elements around us, be it location, be it situation, be it character. Okay. Uh, main or supportive, it has to be real. At least sounds real. Um, one thing then I wanted to ask you something and then it's just gone completely out of my head because I was uh, enchanted by listening to Regina there. Um, your, your sense of, um, how would I say, your, your stories are very, very tight there's there's there's, there's um, very little give in them there's very little very few slow parts uh, the 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 very finely honed uh, short stories uh, i was in my admiration reading them that that tautness and tightness there is admirable um but would you see yourself uh, attempting to write a novel for example yeah definitely um i was telling uh, someone the other day that actually i have started on two novels, but they are still in the drawer, and uh, I, I don't dare to look at them yet. Um, and how I got into short stories is because uh, I failed in those in producing those novels. Uh, but slowly, slowly and surely, I will get back to it again. Maybe I will try a novella first, uh, and then go into a full novel. Yeah, because it is quite a, a big endeavor uh, to to produce sixty thousand words in a novel. Apart from just quantity what do you see the challenges between writing a novel compared to writing a short story um short story um okay so people think that because it's shorter it's easier but actually it's not like you know short stories have to be complete in them in themselves and that yeah and it has to be complete meaning have an ending you know it's not like a, an excerpt of a chapter um, but with a novel, there's much more plotting uh, and pacing, so you have to think about where to drop clues in 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 little bits before you get to the point. Yeah, so so that will be my next challenge. <laughs> and and Regina, you've possibly written as many novels as as you have short stories. Um, there was a time pre-pandemic Georgetown Literary Festival. Every year in the program, you would open it up. And it would say, <laughs> book launch, Regina Abraham, uh, publishing a book by Book of Fixie, published by Book of Fixie. And not the same book every time, but a, a different book every time. And I think that happened, what, five years in a row? Is that possible? Five years in a row, I launched Incredible. every new book. But it, that, that stopped uh, somewhere around year 2019, I think. Yeah, 2019, it stopped there. And uh, currently, I'm still... Uh, 
I still have uh, three uh, novels, okay, three novels uh, to be printed. I, I don't know when, I don't know how, but then again, I'm crossing my fingers so that it will happen this year. Pray for me, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of writing novels or writing short stories, which, which is your home? Obviously, you're a very experienced novelist. Um, do, you, do you feel you're more at home with the novel well, or is the short story just an exercise for you or there are different modes? Or? Short story is, is not an easy thing. Like, like what uh, Piling said, it has to be solid. Okay? It has to be packed. It has to be interesting. All right? And same goes with novels. Okay? No discrimination. But novels allow you to have a space where you can... You can uh, do a little bit of self-indulge inside there. You know, you can, you can be, uh, you can be at at a space where you are being lengthy, but in a nice way. All right, so that's novels, yeah. But then again, writing novel just for the sake of having uh, some added value to your to your works is 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 no fun, Mark. You know, you wanted your novel to be uh, something which is uh, which which give impact to 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 your readers. Okay, people will remember. Yeah, people will remember. So I'm still waiting. I'm still crossing my fingers so that my three. Uh, uh, three novels will be published soon. So five novels with Pixie, three unpublished novels, and then you have several other books and some anthologies of shots. You know, it's 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 very surprising. You know, for 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 somebody who started late, I started writing only when I reached fifty years old. You know, my second book with Pixie was already an anthology of uh, shots. Okay, that was bestseller bestseller i think they print it three times yeah so that is chirpin followed by another one at gerak budaya a compilation of uh it's a it's an anthology also about living as a as a trans woman in malaysia okay so that one also was a big hit and i'm waiting for more hits to come my way <laughs> well let's hope there are um, we're privileged today to be running what we call a hybrid event, meaning that we're talking to you people there in uh, Facebook land, but we also have a live audience with us, uh, albeit a small audience, but there's a, well, probably at least 30 people here. Um, would anybody like to ask uh, any questions to either of our guests today? Does anybody have anything they'd like to see discussed? Or I see people nudging people and saying, go on, you ask, no? I have a question. First of all, thank you all of you for the wonderfully interesting session. Um, I would like Regina actually to speak a little bit about um, translation and also you've also been translated a little bit into English as well. Are you hoping to get to do more of that, maybe to work with the translator seriously to get some of your work translated into English um, and perhaps look at possibilities of publication elsewhere? And what are some of the challenges you've for your own work. Um, I think your work is particularly challenging to translate into English because it is so specific in some of its uh, terminology and also situations. Mama. Well, translation is uh, definitely difficult, okay? Difficult because sometimes you could not find uh, a suitable word uh, in Bahasa Malaysia for a certain uh, term in English, but you make do with it, yeah? But aside, aside from that, I really enjoy, okay? When you translate, you do not only enjoy the content of, of, of the story, okay? You, all, you enjoy the process uh, that, that, that comes uh, indirectly to you saying, oh, this is how the writers try to tell. This is, this is what he or she is trying to tell. You know, after translating uh, Mark's work, okay, three of them, uh, I found that Mark's arrangement of, uh, of storytelling is almost similar to uh, Dewan Sastra shots uh, in the 90s and 80s. It was very well arranged. It, was, it, it, it has so many essence. And currently, I'm translating uh, Bismi S, a journalist from The Sun, who, who has been writing 
uh, exceptionally weird story according to Malaysian standard. Okay, Bis Bismi has a list of beautiful shots. Okay, uh, it's uh, it, it is uh, it is weird. It's it's laden with uh, something sexual, something that we Malaysian uh, writers uh, hardly speak about. Okay, unless it's an erotic. Uh, erotic magazine which almost doesn't exist anymore in Malaysia yeah but so the joy the joy of uh, the joy of translating is definitely there okay I even even though there is no allowance for for, for, for translating I think the the joy that, that 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 you the process the process and the joy uh, will make you feel better as a writer. Okay, at the end of the day, you have nothing else but hoping that your translation will be published. Okay, so that uh, many people can read, many people can understand uh, what uh, the writer is trying to, 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 to express or is trying to tell. Okay, but I will only translate uh, uh, pieces that, it, that has a special appeal to me. I've also translated Asaras Manikam. My mother Patu that won a Commonwealth uh, major prize okay, of shots. And, and was published in Granta. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that was a very beautiful piece that, that, that I've translated so far. Yeah. My mother Patu. You can always find it in my web pad. Okay. You just type my ibuku si patu. Ibuku si patu uh, web pad. It will be there, definitely. Do, do you find yourself learning through translation because you're, you're so intensely involved with the work of, of uh, an, another writer? It's not much about, about learning, Mark. It's about uh, dealing with the style, the individual like you. Uh, oh, I finally say, oh, this is, Mark, this is Mark Defawi's style. And then Sarah, Sarah's money come. All right, she stick to this kind of storytelling, you know. She, 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 that's her style. And Bismi S is obviously okay. Very, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's uh, it's uh, it's pretentious on purpose. You know, sometimes it's 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 obviously sexy. Okay, it's obviously sexy. So that's that's Bismi S. So that's the joy of translating. Yeah. Now I think we might have some more questions. These questions are coming from the beyond from the virtual world where most of us uh, have spent a lot of time over the last year from out there in Facebook land. And Swarna is going to read out some questions. Uh, this is from Yi Sin. She's wondering, what do you do when you have writer's block? And uh, Wilson is asking, what advice would you three give to young writers, 11 to 13 year olds? I'll give a very short answer to the second question. Um, one word, read. Write this blog. Um, you can let it sit for a while. Sit for, let the story sit for 24 hours and then go and revisit, revisit it. Um, if not, consider changing the point of view. Meaning, if you're writing in I, I first point of view, then maybe you change it to third point of view, the narrator style. Uh, that, that has worked for me before. When I, I wrote it in third person, and then I was like, no, it cannot work, it cannot work. Then I changed it to first person. Ah, and then suddenly I can hear the character's voice already. Well, my advice to somebody who's 11 to 13 years old who wanted to write, uh, read, read, and read. Okay? Read, read, and read and start writing, okay? At first, you might be following the style of your favorite author, then slowly you'll find your own, okay? And uh, uh, writer's block, don't worry about writer's block. It happened to everybody, okay? Just take a walk, go to the garden, feed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have another question, do we? We do, uh, perhaps this could be the last one. Uh, where do you get your inspiration from? Um, there's a special writer's shop, an online shop, and you, you buy a and um, they, they give you all the ideas from there. Inspiration is everywhere, particularly in the newspapers. 
inspiration is everywhere, definitely. People who are closer to you, people that you like, people yet that you hate, you know, things, uh, things that is not justice to you, uh, thing, uh, people who are kind to you, situation that is fair to you, you know, everything all around us, okay, to summarize it. It's everywhere, okay? So, Wan Ping Lim, Regina Abraham, thank you very much for the pleasure of your company today. Thank you. Uh, thank you for everybody here. Thank you to the organizers and all these people working behind the scenes. We've got a whole sound deck, a cameraman, uh, of course, Pauline again, and Swarna, who have been working tirelessly, sending us all emails and, and letters and uh, a lot of work has gone into this event uh, a, a real life uh, um, larger georgetown literary festival in the not so distant future so thank you all very much thank you bye, -bye.